0: Actually, um, 2020 was the most unusual uh, year of ministry that I've ever, ever done. It wasn't the most difficult. Uh, There have been other years that were more difficult. But 2020 was the most unusual because it's just all the things, the dynamics of of COVID, the different different things that happened through the course of the year. Um, The church that many of us grew up in, Uh, the church that many of us grew up with, uh, doesn't exist anymore. And it never will again. And that's mostly good. It's mostly good, and it has very little to do with COVID, if anything. uh, Things have changed. Culture has shifted. Uh, If you're 45, I'm guessing 45, Um, maybe even 40, uh, you more than likely grew up in a church that was central to the culture, right? I mean, you remember what that was like. It was central to the culture, especially in the South. Everybody went to church. Uh, everybody, you know, it didn't matter, you know, what you believed. You just went to church. That's just what you did. It was a social thing, and and so the church was in the center of culture, and it both influenced culture and reflected culture. And the problem with that is that uh, many of us grew up in churches where everybody looked alike, everybody dressed alike, everybody talked alike, everybody thought alike. Uh, And that's not the case anymore. And a lot of that is just because of what has happened in culture and just the blending and the shifting and the, and the changing? Culture has changed. For the church, this is a challenge because our message has to stay the same, but we have to figure out a way to communicate that message to a culture that's changing, and we have to do it in a way uh, that will be heard uh, and believed. Uh, the days of one-size-fits-all, really gone. If, if that ever existed, it's gone. Uh, the days of believing, well, let, let me put it this way. You know what evangelism used to look like in, in, a, in a typical church in America? Somebody like me standing up on Sunday morning and doing what I'm doing right now. You could do evangelism on Sunday morning in the church 50 years ago because everybody was there. There would not be a huge point today in me preaching a strictly evangelistic message right here because most of you already believe. And that hasn't always been the case. But one of the things that's happened in our culture is that we live in what they call a post-Christian world. And don't freak out. That doesn't mean there aren't any Christians anymore. It just means that the culture has shifted, okay? The culture has shifted. And for the most part now, uh, unless you are a believer, you probably don't go to church. Unless someone brings you, by bringing, bringing sounds very violent, like we tied them up and put them in the car and brought them, but bring, brings you or invites you or encourages you or, or piques your curiosity in some way. So th- those things can still happen. Uh, as, as a church, and I'm speaking now of Riverstone, we're not where we need to be, but we at least have an idea of where we need to be. I would say that as far as uh, having influence and having impact on on the culture today, we don't know all the answers, but we're at least beginning to to understand the questions. Uh, And and it's important. And I'll give you an example of how the church, uh, the face of the church is changing. Uh, We showed a video back before Christmas. We called the day stories. Y'all remember that? Uh, many of you were here, most of you maybe were here, or, or if you weren't here, you maybe saw it online. Uh, think about just the image of Riverstone that came through from stories. Uh, three nations, we're, we only interviewed four people. Now, there were other people in there, you know, who were with the people, but the four main characters of the video represented three nations... At least two races, male, female, and multiple generations. And that's what the church looks like today. And honestly, that, that's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. Uh, most pastors will tell you that the world that they were trained to minister to doesn't exist anymore. And those who keep looking back and wanting that world to reappear will be left behind. And so the question is, as a church, what do we do? What do we do? How do we go forward? Uh, and and I want to say, so, so my wife has this car that has one of those screens on it that when you're backing up, you look at the screen and you can back up without looking back. So you can actually go backwards while you are look forward, but I can't. I just absolutely can't. I can't do it. I, I've tried. I I cannot drive backwards while I'm looking forward. And you know what else I can't do? I can't go forward when I'm looking backwards. And so as a church, we have to, glance in the rearview mirror, because we don't want to forget. We have to remember. What do we have to remember? We have to remember the things that God has done. We have to remember the things that God has done. Throughout history, throughout the history of the people of God, we have been told over and over and over again, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. We have built uh, worship altars, of remembrance to celebrate the things that God has done. And we can't forget what God has done, but we have to glance in the rearview mirror and focus on where we're going. Uh, Because God has big things for us. He has important things for us. So the answer to the question, what do we do? We do what we've been told to do. We do what we've always been instructed to do, okay? So I'm gonna read three passages of Scripture. Uh, which one after the other. First is in Matthew 28, and then we'll try to connect all of these together. Uh, See if you can figure it out. Uh, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think the next passage is from Ephesians. Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then the last passage is from Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then from verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now let's pray. God, I pray uh, that you would speak clearly to us today. We, we want to hear from you. Uh, have I, have I, as I've said before, there's no one here who really needs to hear from me, but we all need to hear from you. And so, Lord, if there is a word that you have for us, I pray that it would be heard. I pray that you would speak through me or speak in spite of me, but speak. And uh, let us hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name amen. So the answer to what we do in, in a changing culture, in a changing world, in a, in a world where, where church looks very different than, than it's looked in most of our lifetimes, the answer to what we do is that we do what we've always been told to do. We make disciples. That's what we do. That's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. And we have to do this in a very intentional way. Uh, we can't expect the world to come to us uh, anymore. The, the world, if it ever came to us, And and I I guess there was a time when people came to the church to find answers. Um, It's not so much like that anymore. Uh, It it happens occasionally, but not so much. There's no more expecting the world to come to us. We have to learn to be intentionally missional. Let me throw three things out out to you, and you you tell uh, tell tell me what they have in common. School cafeteria... A barbershop and a restaurant. Anybody? Couldn't hear you. What? People, more specific. Think about it. School cafeteria, barbershop, and a restaurant. James, you know, right? You're not sure? James, you're on the video. (laughs) Kim, tell them what they've won. Um, Think about it, guys, okay. Places where the stories took place. A school cafeteria. Yanni's story that she shared on the video took place in a school cafeteria. Clara was invited to come to the Night of Hope at a restaurant where she worked by a coworker. Anessa was actually brought to Riverstone by the barbershop that she works in. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that that is where things are happening out there. This is a place for training and equipping. But you guys, you have the work of the gospel in every place, right in front of you in every place that you go. High school cafe, in a restaurant, in a barbershop. So our call as a church is really simple. It's not complicated. It's as simple as win, equip, and send. Win the lost, equip new believers, make make disciples, and send. Our winning has to be very strategic, it has to be very consistent, it has to be very intentional, but it has to be also somewhat natural because what's happening is that people are living life together and these lives are intersecting You know, it's interesting. I think about the story of Kissy and Clara and the restaurant. And Kurt, who also goes to Riverstone, says to Kissy, you should invite Clara to the Night of Hope. And Kissy says, hmm, okay. She invites her. She invites her on a Saturday night for something that happens the next day. Late on a Saturday night. And she comes. What if she didn't invite her? Clara had never been to this church before except to give blood. What if she didn't invite? What if Kurt didn't mention? To kiss him. Everyday life in a barbershop of all places. What did Anessa say about the barbershop? It's just different. It's different than any place I've ever worked. They really care about you. They really took care of me from the first day. The way that we do our jobs becomes evangelism. The way that we do our jobs, the way that we live in our neighborhoods becomes evangelism. We have to be strategic in how we enter the community uh, because (laughs) if I'm sorry, but if we walk through neighborhoods like this, people are not going to open their doors. They're just not because the culture has shifted. There was a day when you could have walked through a neighborhood with this and people may have come to you, but that day is not today. And so we have to enter into relationship with people because they have an idea about what this means that, that's false. And they have an idea about what a person who carries this is uh, that is also false. And they're not going to know the truth unless they know you. And so we have to be intentional in how we engage people when it comes to evangelism. And you know, the old saying is true that people won't care what you know until they know that you care. Uh, One of the things that we wanna do this coming year is we want to encourage uh, every small group in in Riverstone to go through Alpha. We're asking every small group, every home group uh, to do the Alpha course in in the winter, spring uh, semester because we, we believe that this Alpha course unlock some things in our brain about reaching the unchurched, and we want to see it. We want to understand it. We want to grasp it because we want to be more intentional in reaching the lost. If you've never been in a small group at Riverstone, this, this would be a, an amazing, fantastic time for you to get into a small group. You can jump into a small group. You can go through the Alpha Course with that group, and then maybe next fall, you could actually host an alpha group in your home, and it would be such a natural thing for you, to, for you and another couple to invite maybe three couples in your neighborhood to come to your home and have dinner together and watch an alpha video. And you know, the understanding is the, the invitation is come and watch one video. It's not come and watch 13 videos, it's come and watch one, it's what, 25 minutes long, 20, 30? But who knows? Maybe they'll get interested and they'll want to come back. We had to be strategic. We had to be intentional in reaching the lost because we live in a day where we have to go to them because for the most part, they're not coming to us. Now, we do things like Night of Hope. Sometimes they'll come. And so we'll, we'll do that more. The second thing we have to do after winning is we have to disciple Jesus said to make disciples, he he didn't just say make converts, and he certainly didn't didn't say make churchgoers. He said to make disciples. And a lot of churchgoers are in trouble. They are. A lot of churchgoers are in trouble. A lot of churchgoers uh, have bad marriages, and they have bad families, and they're bad emotionally, and they have a bad uh, understanding of their identity, and they have bad theology, and their finances are bad, and their health is bad, and their relationships are bad. If you don't like the word bad, too bad. As a church, we have to do better at equipping We have to do better uh, at equipping and and getting people ready for the work of the ministry. Right now, as it sits, and and this isn't true all the way across the board, but for for a large section of people who are church people and even believers, they're not only not ready for ministry, they're not even ready for life. They can't function in a relationship. They can't stay out of the ditch. The church should be made up of the strongest marriages, the strongest families, the wisest people when it comes to life choices, the wisest people when it comes to business decisions and finances, the kindest, the most forgiving, There there should be one place on the earth where offense and resentment and things like that have no chance of surviving. That should be in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, offense should never have a chance to take root. Resentment should never have an opportunity to fester and become toxic in a relationship. We should be the most generous and the most other-focused people on the planet. We should be the most loving and the most welcoming people on earth. That's the body of Christ. Jesus said they'll know you, they'll recognize you by your love, by the way you love each other. The body of Christ should also be people who have a clear sense of identity as sons and daughters of God. A clear understanding also that following him is not just about getting your identity together so that you can have a, a good life for yourself. But the body of Christ should have a clear understanding that following Jesus means intentionally seeking to gather others to follow Jesus, to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. The body of Christ is not a giant self-help support group. It's not, it's really not. It is a world-changing army. That's what it is. That's what we've been invited to join. And then the, the third thing we do, so we win, we disciple, and we send. We win, we disciple, and we send. And if we're not sending, then we have aborted our identity. If we're not sending, if we're not sending and being sent, we're, we've aborted our identity because that's who we are. We're called to be people who are sent. The church is called to be apostolic, which means it is a sending group. It's a sending body. Now, before you freak out, that doesn't mean that everybody here has to go to Africa tomorrow. It doesn't. What it does mean is that some of some of you do. Maybe not tomorrow. But some of you will be called to foreign lands. But all of us will be sent. Maybe next door to your neighbor whose wife has cancer. Maybe to the office right down the hall at work. To talk to the person that you've noticed is, is having a particularly bad day. How is that sending? Well, it depends on who tells you to do it. Right? I mean what is what does it mean to be sent anyway, right? There's there's a difference between me just going and me being sent, correct? If I'm sent, then I am going under someone else's authority, not mine. When I'm sent by Jesus, I go in his authority. And I also go at his initiatives. But we are, make no mistake, we are called to be sent We disciple you for them. If you write stuff down in your Bible or on your forehead or somewhere, you should write that down. We disciple you for them. Because it's never just about me. It's never just about you. It's about the next person and the next person and the next person. And until we are intentional about that, we move in the body of Christ by addition rather than multiplication. We disciple you for them. God has put you in a zone. Now he may call you to a different zone, Some of you may be feeling that stirring right now, that God is calling you to a different zone, whether that means a different neighborhood or a different job or a different country or or a different city. God does that. He he calls us physically into other places. But, But most of the time, what God does is he calls us to be intentional where we are. He sends us on short, very short trips before he sends us on very long trips. We had a, a girl in our church one time, uh, several years ago, she had just graduated with uh, an engineering degree at Georgia Tech and so what all engineering graduates from Georgia Tech uh, do right after that, she said, I, I think I wanna be a missionary. <sighs> And I said, okay. And she said, I, I mean, like overseas. I want to, I want to go somewhere really far away and be a missionary. And I said, for how long? And she said, for the rest of my life. And I said, have you ever been on a mission trip? Well, oh, I've never been out of the country. You've never been out of the country, and you're ready to just spend the rest of your life in another country. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, why don't we do this first? Why don't you go on a like a two week trip? Why don't you go on a two week trip? Okay. So she went on a two-week trip. She comes back. I said, okay, can I go now? I said, why don't you go like on a six-month trip? So she goes on a six-month trip, comes back. Okay, can I go now? And we had given, you know, we we ran out of stall tactics. And so we said, yeah, I guess. She's been gone ever since. Y'all know her, Aaron Johnson. She's in the Philippines and doing amazing things because God sent her, Uh, God will send some of you far away. God will send some of you down the street. God will send most of you where you are. He will send you to the place that you already are, the zone that he's created, that he's put you in. He will send you to be intentional to walk in that place under his authority. Uh, he will call you to the lost, and he will call you to those who are without. The poor. He will call you to the poor, and the poor poor look differently. There are a lot of shapes and sizes to the poor. Some people are poor economically. Some people are poor relationally. Some people are poor emotionally. Some people are poor spiritually. But God has called us to care for the poor and to give to those that don't have. If you are a person who, who is filled with the Spirit of God and lives in healthy relationships and, and is thriving, it, it's not, that's not enough. It's good. It's not enough. Because if that was enough, then all of those who were thriving would just move over to one side of the room and kind of look at those that aren't and go, wow, that looks really bad. And that's not what we're called to do, is it? We're called to cross the room. Sometimes being sent is just crossing the room. Just crossing the room and taking what God has given you and giving it to others because we're called. We're called to give to those who are without. So your zone could be your community. It could be where you work. It could be where you live. Your zone could be the next community that God is calling you to, which it could be just the next community over. That's why we plant churches, y'all, because God could be calling some of you to the next community over to start something there, or it could be the lost community, the poor and the broken, those without. Uh, it could be the world it could be global it could be that God is calling you uh, to something radical overseas but we're all we're all called to be sent now there's an in- interesting dynamic in the passages that we read uh, about Jesus Jesus says to his disciples go but not yet right do you see that In the passage, he says, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to make disciples. But but first, before you go, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. I want you to wait. Don't don't leave Jerusalem until you get what you need. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And this really is the key to it all, y'all. This is the key to it all. Because we could leave here, we, we could run out of here in a dead sprint in our own emotion and, and ready to change the world and go on our own, in our own strength with our own ideas, and we could run out into Kennesaw and leave it worse than we found it. Unless. That's why it's important to be sent rather than just to go. Because sending means I'm going under someone else's authority, and sending means I'm going through some, in someone else's power. And so Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And what is the promise of the Father? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so once again, we come full circle back to the thing that we talked about on Christmas Eve. Christmas is about God with us, but Christianity is and always has been God in us by his spirit, Jesus says, I will go with you. I will go with you, I will do it. Faithful is the one that calls you, he will do it. I want to empower you. I want to put myself, my spirit, my power in you because the transformation that needs to happen out there is supernatural. We can't fix it, we can't, but he can. And the glorious thing that is so exciting and so fun is that he has chosen, not because he has to, but because he wants to, he has chosen to use us. And he says, come to me. I will put myself in you. And then we'll go out and change the world. Now let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the invitation. I pray that as we move forward in this year that uh, that you would teach us how. We we know what. We know that we're we're called to win and disciple and send. We know that. You made that clear. Uh, I pray you show us how. Uh, We ask for strategy. Uh, We ask for understanding most of all, we ask for you. We ask that you would fill us afresh and anew and send us in your power, not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Sorry I talked so long today, but uh, happy new year.